Joining us down the line to talk all about this year's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is FIA accredited journalist and host of the F1 Strategy Report, Michael Laminato. Michael, good evening. Hello, mate. Good to be back. Always a pleasure. Chatting now, uh, talk to us about Max Verstappen because he has claimed yet another win, the most wins in an F1 season of all time. Uh, just uh, such a dominant display throughout 2022, and he capped it all off with a win in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, and his win in Abu Dhabi really kind of summarised the whole season because it was only eight seconds. It didn't seem massive, but it was never really in doubt. He had this race absolutely in his hands throughout, started from pole position, was peerless in the Grand Prix and just kind of managed at home. And that kind of sums up a lot of the effort of him this season. We've had we've been pretty fortunate considering the dominance of this season that we've had quite a number of good races along the way, but particularly in the second half of the year it's been clear that he has just been a cut above everyone else. You mentioned that there fifteen races is a is not only just a new record, but it's broken his previous record, which was fourteen, after equaling the previous record which was thirteen held by Sebastian Vettel and, and Michael Schumacher. So absolutely a new benchmark for dominance in one season and He's really established himself with his win in the last round as the guy everyone needs to try and beat next year. And, and there's no signs he's slowing down. He's still a young man. He's still relatively new to this year of domination. So it's going to take something special for someone to really come along and try and take this crown from him. What did you make of the season as a whole? Uh, do we need to make some more adjustments moving forward so that the race has become a little bit more even? I think actually what we need to do is leave everything as it is because last year, I mean, maybe we don't want to revisit the last race of last year, but last year we had a great season and that was in part because we had left the regulations the same way for a certain amount of time. This tends to happen in Formula One. You know, we change the rules from time to time for various reasons. No reason not to change the rules. You know, that's sort of always been a challenge of motorsport is mastering new regulations, but inevitably someone sort of cracks them first. Someone does a really good job before everyone else catches up. And this year was Red Bull Racing, despite it looking more even at the start of the year. It's clear that that team actually did a better job with the rules than anyone else. But the longer you leave it, particularly in this new era when we've got a budget cap and a development cap, everyone's obviously going to be looking at the Red Bull car and learning from it and applying those lessons to their own cars. And we'll see over the next couple of years, it'll all even up in a similar way to the way it did in the last couple of regulation seasons. Luckily, Ferrari's not very far behind. Even Mercedes is not that far behind. We should be optimistic that next year, it'll be more competitive between those three teams. But the longer we leave the rules, the more history tells us, the closer it becomes. All right, you mentioned it was quite even early on between Red Bull and Ferrari. Well, it was Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. They were able to claim second in the Constructors' and Drivers' Championships this season with Perez finishing third in this race, Sainz fourth, George Russell fifth, and Lewis retiring uh, from the race, Michael. Yeah, and this was an important result for Ferrari. Obviously, they wanted to win the championship earlier in the year. We've sort of already mentioned, and anyone who's been watching Formula 1 this season will know they started with the fastest car. In fact, for the first half of the year, they had the fastest car, and Charles Leclerc led Verstappen by almost 50 points at one point. But they've come off the boil, both in terms of performance, strategy mistakes, reliability, all of those things. To get second, at least, shows that they are close enough. And really, if we do want to zoom out, Last year, they had a pretty ordinary season. They were third in the standings, but way off Mercedes and Red Bull. year before, they had one of their worst years ever. So if we don't consider the fact that they've thrown away so many points, 
is this still actually quite a good step forward? Does it a finish second at least shows that progression is there and it gives it a really tangible sense as well because second in both standings is important. And then next year, of course, will be crunch time. They can't afford another year like this where they throw away points and races. They can consolidate next season. This is a learning year. Then actually we will look upon this year and, and think of it not so much as a waste but just as a transition period, if you like. But that is up to them to make good on that next year. So I think they'll, they'll be satisfied in the off-season with second. Not completely, but enough. But it is all about 23 for them now. Okay. Uh, what's going on between Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen? Has their little beef been squashed or will it linger into 2023? Well, the team says it's all good. And why shouldn't we trust the team? They did a photo <laughs> of them shaking hands and everything looks great. They're smiling all the time. I think it has to resolve itself because... Sergio Perez doesn't have any power to do anything about it. That's the fundamental bottom line of this, is that Max Verstappen did what he did in Brazil because he knew there could be no consequences because he absolutely dominates that team. It's a team built for Max Verstappen fundamentally. Perez wanted to throw the toys out of the pram. Well, then Perez will be thrown out of Red Bull Racing. Fundamentally, that's it. The team is not there for him. And also, he can't complain too hard about that because, A, he knew what he signed up for, but B, he's just on not Max's level. You know, if they were if they were very close and Max were being favoured, then maybe he'd have a little bit more reason to try and get political about it. But the bottom line is he's there as the second driver to Max unless he can prove otherwise. So he will have to sort of fundamentally suck it up a little bit next year. There may be a little bit of tension there if team orders prop up again next year. I don't think there'll be anything simmering between now and then. But until then, it's really up to Perez to prove that he can have more of a say Otherwise, he'll just have to take what he gets. Is there any truth to this uh, this photo that could be floating around? Uh, which photo is this? You may have uh, got ahead of me. This one. What photo um, are we talking about? Sergio Perez. We've heard uh, something in regards to Sergio Perez. Maybe in a nightclub somewhere. There is uh, is uh, Max Verstappen's mum has been a little bit vocal on Twitter. Have you uh-huh. heard about this? Uh, yes, this photo? I have heard about this. So this photo, I think it's from a video, if it's the same photo I'm thinking of anyway, uh, from a video taken after he won the Monaco Grand Prix, I think. Uh, it was some kind of a party on a yacht, as tends to happen in Monaco, and it's Sergio Perez dancing with a woman who is not his wife. Uh, there's, there's, If you look at the video, uh, and I've, I think I've only seen a video, I don't know if it's the video per se, it's kind of like... You could argue it's inconclusive. I'm probably not going to get into like the ins and outs of that, but it was an accusation that, well, it was not so a great behaviour on his part. And he responded to it at the time. He released a statement about it, said there's nothing to it. But obviously, as you mentioned there, in the heat of the Brazilian Grand Prix aftermath, Max Verstappen's mum's been on Instagram telling people that Sergio Perez has been cheating on his wife. I think those comments have been deleted. But it does just kind of go to show, to go back to your, your question prior, that there is still a bit of heat in that situation. It's not sort of like 100% blown over because they shook hands and released a press release about it. There's clearly some feeling there, just a matter of whether or not that comes back up a second time. All right, well, Daniel Ricciardo, he will be heading over to Red Bull as a reserve driver for 2023. What do you make of this decision from Daniel? Well, it's still got to be 100% confirmed, but they've said that it's you know 99% of the way done because Helmut Marko, the motorsport advisor, told the German media that it was done a little bit too early, and they've both all been forced to say, well, yes, it's nearly done, but not quite. The decision, it was between Red Bull and Mercedes. These have been the long-running rumours, and it is interesting he's chosen Red Bull over Mercedes because on the one hand, Mercedes is the better connected team. Toto Wolff is the better connected team principal. They have a whole 
uh, host of, of teams that buy the Mercedes engine. Toto Wolff has sort of really been around Formula One with the Williams and has done a lot of dealing and, and wheeling behind the scenes, whereas Red Bull is a little bit more insular, despite being extremely influential for the, from the sporting perspective. They don't have that much influence among the other teams. And so if you're Daniel looking for a drive in 24, Red Bull might not be able to navigate you into one the way the Mercedes does. But what Red Bull does do is it owns two teams, and that means it has four seats, and one of those seats is occupied by Sergio Perez. And if you were to be, I don't want to say cynical, but if you were to be, let's say, a little bit aggressive about it, a little bit progressive about it, you might think, well, Perez has a bit of a dodgy year, whether it's because he's all worked up about what happened in Brazil or just has a bit of a dodgy year. And you're Daniel Ricciardo and you've got some simulator time and some time in the Red Bull show car, and you're proving, actually, that in this car, you can do everything that you used to be able to do in a Red Bull car. Well, maybe. I mean, it's not out of the question that Red Bull, one of the most ruthless teams in the sport, might get a little bit ruthless with Sergio Perez. So I can understand that logic, but the bottom line is it's still a long shot. The driver market in 24, as it stands, is not that much open than it was this year. It is still, in my opinion, more likely than not that that was Daniel Ricciardo's last race. Okay, so if it is his last race, Michael, how do you reflect on his Formula One career? Uh, It's a career, I mean, fundamentally, it's a career that offered much more promise than it ultimately got. I mean, by historical standards, it's done a great job. Eight Grand Prix wins is a hell of a lot more than most drivers. The vast, vast majority of drivers can never hope to win arriving in Formula One because the reality of F1 is that very few drivers even managed to get on the podium, never mind win. He was a championship caliber. He is a championship caliber driver. He remains a championship caliber driver. I'm absolutely certain of that. But this move to McLaren is what undid everything for him. Because I think a lot of people will be tempted to say, well, he shouldn't have left Red Bull Racing. And of course, they've become championship winning teams. So there is a logic to that. But his move to Renault remains, for me, sound enough. He, he left for good reasons. It was becoming Max Verstappen's team, and I think we've got recent confirmation that that's absolutely the case. And that team continues to improve as it is. Alpine now has moved up in the constructor standings. They've got a pretty good car at the moment. They have reason to think they could build on that. And Daniel's last year at Renault, as it was, I think understatedly was one of the best of his career. He had some great drives there, got a couple of podiums with a car that didn't deserve to be on the podium at all. But this drive for McLaren, I think, proved... The only little weakness in Ricardo's game, which is that his driving style is not as adaptable as I think we thought. It's the only little chink in his armour, if you like. And I, I think that also talks a little bit about that he's not the most technically-minded driver, and I don't think that helps him either. And it just goes to show the cutthroat nature of the sport. He's talked about this as well, is that you can be one of the greats, but you're only as good as your last race and his last couple, like last two years, really, just have not made the cut, and all those great things get forgotten pretty quickly. But it is great to think that you know maybe in 24, if he does come back, he might be in a position to, to prove that wrong or make good on these last two years. But I think his career will be reflected on as a good one. Some great drives, some really great feel for the car, but one ultimately that, that could have delivered more had luck, I guess, and decision-making for teams been a little bit sharper. Do you think maybe he should have looked outside of Formula One, say at NASCAR or in other um, you know, racing promotion? I think that the, the time is not right for that question because I think there's still be time for that if he does decide he's not coming back to Formula 1 in 2024. He's still pretty young uh, and you know, racing is not closed once you leave Formula 1, but he's been really explicit about the fact that for now he just wants to come back to F1 and racing in you know, NASCAR or whatever other series doesn't really feed into that aim. It doesn't improve his odds of getting an F1 drive. So I think it's absolutely reasonable that he doesn't do that now, but if 
in the course of the next 12 months, he does realise that actually he's not going to come back, whether that's because the doors are closed or because he's made peace with the fact he's not coming back to F1, then I think it would be reasonable for him to then go out and look for a drive, whether it's an Indy car or whatever, somewhere in America, I can imagine it happening, and creating the next chapter of his career once the chapter in Formula One has closed. Okay, so 2023, what does it hold for Formula One, uh, Michael? What can we look forward to coming into next year? I'm optimistic we can look forward to a closer battle at the front. We got a lot of close battling, as we said earlier, actually more than the point suggests, more than the level of domination of Max Verstappen suggests. Ferrari is still so close on a technical level. That car is not that much further behind Red Bull Racing. Part of the reason they've they've fallen behind over the course of the year is the development and also they've turned the engine down because of reliability problems that shouldn't exist next season. So we should expect them to be closer. And Mercedes is optimistic, has been optimistic in the last month or two that they actually do understand the mistake they made with this year's car will be much closer next year. So if those two things prove correct, I think there's a decent chance they will be proved correct, at least with one of those two teams, then we should have at least a two-car, four-driver battle for the championship next year. And as we were saying earlier, is the longer these regulations go on, the closer the field will get. So I think next year... We will get a good year. I think this year also wasn't as bad a year as that domination suggests. I think we actually saw quite some good action this year. And so if we can back that up with another next season, then I think Formula 1 will be in a really good place. Michael, it's been a pleasure chatting not only today, but throughout the course of this F1 season. Uh, Thank you very much for taking the time. You've been very, very gracious with it. And all the very best. Thank you, mate. It's been my pleasure. And we'll talk in 23. Can't wait. There he goes, Michael Laminato, FIA accredited journalist and host of the F1 Strategy Report. I thank him for his time on the program uh, throughout this season.